Hello, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal, Lupus Science and Medicine, that is produced by BMJ. On this podcast, we will be discussing the manuscript, Safety, Immunological Effects, and Clinical Response in a Phase 1 Trial of Umbilical Cord Mesenchymal Stromal Cells in Patients with Treatment Refractory Systemic Lupus Erythematosus. Our guest is Dr. Gary Gilkison, Distinguished University Professor of Medicine, Microbiology, and Immunology, and Associate Dean for Faculty Affairs and Faculty Development with the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. Dr. Gilkison, let's begin by providing background information about the previous research conducted on these mesenchymal stromal cells that led to your interest in conducting this study here in the United States. What was it in the data that you saw that led you to believe such a trial might be worth undertaking at MUSC? Well, the original experiments looking at these mesenchymal stromal cells to treat lupus originated in Nanjing, China by the physician there, rheumatologist Lin Young Soon. And he published initially some mouse studies suggesting that the mesenchymal stromal cells would be effective and then took them on into trials in human lupus. There have been previous reports that these cells do have potent immune modulating activity, and they have been studied in primarily graft-versus-host disease in patients receiving bone marrow transplants for leukemia. And if the mesenchymal cells were given when the graft-versus-host disease started, it showed that they had a response. So Dr. Soon uh, was visiting his institution a number of years ago, and he presented his data of giving MSCs to patients with refractory lupus, and he reported a very impressive outcome that 60, 65, 70% of patients responded. And perhaps even more impressive is that there were no serious adverse events, basically no side effects of giving the therapy. And he has people out nine or 10 years now without any long-term effects of the cells as far as side effects go. So having seen that, then it seemed very safe. So that makes you feel more comfortable to try something because you know you're not going to do any harm. So we initially started doing animal studies, mouse studies in lupus here in our lab in Charleston and were impressed by the results that we got that indeed the cells do prevent and treat ongoing lupus in the mice. And we've published two or three papers about that. So when we saw that it was effective in mice, then we are lucky enough that here at MUSC, we do have a, what's called a clean cell facility that's FDA and other organization approvals to derive cells for use in humans. So we started making MSCs in that facility and embarked then on this phase one trial of treating refractory lupus patients with MSCs. Okay, describe now how you determined which subjects would be part of this phase one study of mesenchymal stromal cells in treatment refractory SLE, and then explain how you went about conducting the study, its structure, clinical endpoints, and treatment protocols. 
We were successful in partnering with the Lupus Foundation of America to fund this particular, what's called a phase one trial. And in phase one trials, they're all looking at the safety to establish that this is a safe therapy to use in humans. You also obviously look at what the clinical response is, but everyone is getting the cells. There's no placebo in a phase one trial. And for that reason, the patients all know that they're getting the magic cells. All of us know they're getting the cells. And so there's a potential of a huge placebo effect of that making it impossible to decide whether they're clinically effective or not, but it certainly does allow you to establish the safety as well as study what effect they're having on the immune system in the patients. So since it's a phase one trial and a safety trial, we felt like, and the the FDA as well, felt like it was best to study mild to moderately active lupus patients. So we set up using what's called the SLEDI, SLE disease activity index, which a lot of people are familiar with. So active disease kind of by agreement is a sleet eye of six or greater counting skin rash and arthritis and oral ulcers and alopecia and lab tests. And then we capped it at a sleet eye of 12 so that we're getting mild to moderate disease and not severe disease like active lupus nephritis or active lupus cerebritis. And the patients had to have failed a standard immunosuppressant for six months, such as imuran or methotrexate or Celsept. And uh, then if they had shown that they were unresponsive to that, then they could enter the trial. It was obviously open to all sexes and all ethnicities and all races. We did restrict the age to 18 because the FDA and other two study it in younger people and children, it would require extra hurdles and extra things. So those were the criteria we set up to follow the patients and determine whether they responded or not at 24 weeks after they received the initial infusion. We followed them up to 52 weeks to show long-term safety. And then they were required to taper prednisone if they were on over 10 milligrams. They had to get down to 10 milligrams or below by 20 weeks after the infusion. And we judged the efficacy by the lupus response index, which requires the sleet eye to drop by four points, meaning their arthritis got better or their skin rash got better uh, without them having any worsening disease in another category, as well as the physician global assessment, which is another instrument not getting worse as well. The patients were screened and then were everyone got the cells. But once we knew that they fit criteria, then it takes two to three weeks for the clean cell facility to bring up the cells. And the cells are derived from umbilical cords of women undergoing an elective C-section. So they're not fetal stem cells or there's no ethical questions about use of these cells because they're derived from the umbilical cords and the women are screened heavily for any type of infectious disease one week before they enter. And they also could not have a family history of autoimmune disease and their ANA had to be negative 
collective to donate their cords. So the cords are dried. It takes about a month to get cells up and growing out of a cord. Then they're frozen back. And then when a patient's ready to be infused, then it takes seven to 10 days to get them ready to go and infuse the patients. The infusion takes 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the most. So it's a relatively rapid infusion. We observed them for at least two hours after the infusions to make sure there were no early acute events and we did not see any of that. And then the patients were seen every couple of weeks after infusion. Like we said, the 24 week was when we assessed whether or not they improved or not. And then the 52 week was the end of the uh, line as far as the safety aspect goes. I mean, we still follow up these patients, you know, we're five or six, seven years out for some of them from when they were infused. So there are no long-term events that we're aware of. So what were the results? What changes did you observe in the labs of these patients? And what can you conclude from your data? As stated previously, the only thing we can state with certainty in a phase one trial like this is whether or not it is a safe therapy. And as we report, there were no serious adverse events. You record anything that happens to the patient. So you record if they've had a upper respiratory infection, if they've gotten a sunburn, if they stubbed their toe, uh, you have to record all those things. So there were quote-unquote adverse events, but none of them were attributable to the therapy itself. You have what's called a data safety monitoring board or DSMB. Uh, After every patient, we reported to the DSMB who were four independent lupus investigators at other institutions that had no role in the study. And then they would go over what the data was if they felt comfortable that there were no adverse events, then we enrolled the second patient to do that. And that was a month out. So there was at least a month or more than that between when patients could be infused. So safety-wise, it came out with flying colors. And subsequently, in other studies, it continues to show incredible lack of adverse events. So that was reassuring that it was remaining to show safety. We did do assessments of their clinical responses, and as I said before, having their SLEDI score drop by four points or more without any worsening in other systems was the endpoint, like in other clinical trials been listed other than that. So five out of the six patients did meet the endpoint of SLEDI dropping by four. A number of them dropped more than that. There were six total patients and five out of the six uh, met the response criteria and two or three of them dropped to a SLEDI of zero and had no active disease at all at the end of the study. During the 52-week follow-up, we did not see anybody have a flare of disease. They all were maintained on 10 milligrams or less of prednisone. If they were on Imuran or they were on CELSAP prior to the study, then they maintained that throughout the study. Two of the patients were not on any immunosuppressant at the time of the study because they had previously failed therapy and were taken off their immunosuppression. So we were very 
pleased that it appeared to show efficacy. The one person that didn't show efficacy had to drop out due to other complications unrelated to their lupus. But uh, we saw improvements in skin rash and oral ulcers. One patient had what's called transverse myelitis, which is inflammation of the spinal cord where they get paralysis. And she had failed cytoxan and rituxan, but she did respond well to the MSCs. So overall, the clinical response was encouraging, but again, we can't really say that they are effective with such small numbers and no placebo. The other area that we were very excited about is that uh, when we did a number of basic mechanistic studies to look at the patient's immune systems during pre-receiving the cells and after receiving the cells, and a lot of this work was done by Anaki Sons group down at Emory looking at B-cell profiles. Dr. Sons and others have identified that lupus patients have abnormal distribution of their B-cell cell subsets, having more cells that are prone to making autoantibodies. And this was true of five of the six of our patients. And those five were the ones that did respond to the criteria per se and improved. And there were significant changes in these B-cell profiles of patients that was very impressive. And then we also looked at their T-cells because in previous reports, people had reported that T-regulatory cells, which are T-cells in our bodies that help keep the immune system under control. And lupus patients have been shown to have either low numbers or ineffective Treg responses. And that's been reported. We saw that in two of our patients, but we did not see it in the other four. We looked at a bunch of other T-cell related studies and really saw nothing that was significant or consistent. So the consistent findings were the B-cell findings and the a little bit of T-cell findings, but those were primarily what we saw. Autoantibody levels, two of the patients, their anti-DNA antibodies went down. One patient, her complement levels improved. We measured the ENA antibodies, the Rho, the Law, the SMs, and saw one or two patients that had a change over the time of the study. But uh, as has been reported previously, we, there's not a consistent lowering of autoantibodies over that six months to follow up of the patients. So what are the next steps in your study of MSCs? Provide our listeners with an overview of your phase two study and explain how the study is being conducted. Because of the encouraging safety results and the suggestive efficacy results, as well as the responses B-cell-wise, then we felt like this was encouraging enough to expand to a phase two study, multi-center, that it's a placebo-controlled trial. So two patients are getting the mesenchymal cells and one patient gets placebo Currently, that trial is about two-thirds the way through. Total patients that we're looking for are 81. The entry criteria are the same, except that we are accepting more severe lupus patients. There's no upper end, but the lower end is still a sleet eye of six. We have nine centers nationwide that are entering patients into the trial. 
This is a two-step trial. The first cohort of patients that is already finished received 1 million cells per kilogram, which is what Dr. Soon had used in his trials. And then the second cohort is 5 million cells per kilogram. The higher dose cohort is the first time it's been done in lupus patients or autoimmune diseases. If the phase two study is highly encouraging, then we're hoping that the FDA will license them to be used in treating lupus. If the data is encouraging but not encouraging enough, then a phase three trial is planned with funding through an independent company. So we'll move forward based on that and see how it's going. Well, this certainly is a very interesting line of research for the treatment of lupus. And I want to thank you for providing our listeners with more details about the Phase 1 study, along with an update on your current Phase 2 study underway. We have been speaking with Dr. Gary Gilkison, Distinguished University Professor of Medicine, Microbiology, and Immunology, and Associate Dean for Faculty Affairs and Faculty Development at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. Dr. Gilkison discussed his manuscript, Safety, Immunological Effects, and Clinical Response in a Phase I Trial of Umbilical Cord Mesenchymal Stromal Cells in Patients with Treatment Refractory Systemic Lupus Erythematosus. It is published in the Open Access Journal, Lupus Science and Medicine, and it is available for free online at lupus.bmj.com. For the Lupus Foundation of America and BMJ, I'm Dwayne Peters. Thank you for listening.